1: Happy Thanksgiving to all of you celebrating and welcome to another edition of Kickin' Back, the podcast where we bring you closer to players, coaches, and personalities across the women's soccer world. I'm your host, Jeff Kasouf, and this week I'm joined by Lauren Barnes, Lou Barnes, as many of you know her. She just wrapped up her time on loan in Sweden. She is a longtime Rain player, Rain original since the team started in 2013 in the National Women's Soccer League, and she has She's a rare athlete who has played in three different countries this year in 2020 despite the COVID-19 pandemic. She played in Australia, then the US, and then in Sweden. So she has a unique perspective on life in all of these countries as well as playing in these countries and what it looks like. So. On this podcast, I speak with her about some of that in the current day and some of her career to date, which has been a very successful one in the NWSL and domestically. And we talk about all sorts of things from on the field to some memories off the field and what she's working on, uh, some different passions that she has off the field for sustainability. So excited to bring you this episode of Kickin' Back with Lou Barnes. Please go ahead, rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. The more you give us those five Stars, the more people who can discover this pod just like you and if you subscribe you won't miss a thing including great conversations like this we've had a lot of great guests recently have a lot more on tap and we're looking forward to bringing you more great storytelling in women's soccer we're here on the latest episode of kicking back jeff Kasouf joined by lauren barnes defender for ol rain and and on loan uh just wrapping up alone in sweden with cake in. <laughs> I think I nailed that. Perfect. Uh, Lauren, thanks for joining me.
0: Of course. Thanks for having me.
1: And I, I'm introducing you as Lauren Barnes. I think my first question, I've, I've almost never heard you called Lauren by anybody. It's always Lou Barnes. I, what what brought that about? How did, you, uh, how did that kind of stick?
0: Yeah. So I actually think it was a nickname given to me by my family when I was really young. Um, and then obviously through sports, you know, you get on these teams and there could be five or six laurens so you know kind of to just have a nickname throughout sport and it stuck with me literally forever um my parents don't call me anymore um they're always like why don't people call you lauren anymore and i'm like you gave me the nickname um yeah so i pretty much sign everything i introduce myself as lou um so it stuck around and i actually love it the original nickname was Lulu and there's only a few people that call me that. And one of them is Gus <laughs> Fishlock and everyone else it's Lou.
1: <laughs> nice. So your parents started it and now they're wondering why it's a trend. Is that, is
0: yep. that trend? <laughs> exactly uh, even at uh games with, OL, they'll announce my name on the um, the voice thing as Lou Barnes.
1: <laughs> nice. Well, it's, it's got a, it's a unique ring. Like you said, I guess there's a lot of Lauren's in, in the world. So, um, well, you just wrapped up, like I said, with, uh, with K-Konstad, which is it sounds a lot different than it's spelled for anybody, looking up the team uh, in Sweden, helping them qualify for, for Champions League, which yeah. uh, was a historic thing for them. Um, and I wanted to ask you, you've played now in 2020, or portions of it, three different countries. Uh, which is, you know, at a time when when a lot of people aren't traveling um, in Australia, the U.S. here, obviously, and then Sweden. So w- what's that been like? I'm sure different in, in each sense of, of the actual sort of experience given the times.
0: Yeah, of course. Um, it's absolutely been a roller coaster. Um, I started in Australia when it first came, um, pandemic, and they were talking about the U.S. like 100% closing borders and um, it was kind of a panic. We played the grand final and won with uh, Melbourne City, and I was on the next flight out, which is like not as normal. You usually have your end of, you know, the year exits, the the fun team activities and things like that. But um, you know, I had conversations with my parents and my loved ones, and we just decided that heading back straight away was you know, the best thing to do just to be home if anything else happened because it was so new at the time. It still is, but um, we just had no idea about the virus. And, you know, some people were going to think it's oh, it's only a couple months, you know, it's, it'll go away. You know, that's what we thought about in the beginning. And obviously um, it's still here. And then we ended up going into the challenge cup, but there were so many challenges before the challenge cup, um, you know, preseason being pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. So, I ended up staying in California for most of the lockdown with my family. Um, headed up to Seattle maybe a week before we were supposed to begin preseason. And with Washington's restrictions, we were not allowed to practice in groups of more than six. And obviously, leading into a tournament, that is not ideal. So we ended up relocating to Montana, where we were able to have a very normal preseason. Um, there are a lot of low cases there. Their restrictions were you Know very minimal, which was amazing. Um, we had a great time there and then headed to Utah into the bubble, which was obviously the first one ever done. Um, so we kind of little guinea pigs in this, but um, I think the NW cell and everyone involved did an incredible job. Um, I was very skeptical going in that they were going to pull it off, um, and they absolutely did. We had zero cases. Um, I never ever felt like I was put into danger in any sense. Um, Obviously, like the comeback to play with, you know, not a lot of preseason and a lot of games condensed is always going to run the risk of injuries and whatnot. So you always had that there. But, um, you know, in terms of the pandemic and everything like that, um, you know, I felt safer in the bubble than I did when I was out of it, um, which, you know, is kind of incredible for being the first sport to do it um and then we obviously had that break and there was the fall series which we all still didn't really know what that was going to look like either um and for me heading to Europe was like a no-brainer um I've never been the windows have never really been an opportunity for me playing you know um and then WSL So I was like, oh, you know, this is a perfect time to kind of get this experience in. And I know it's weird timing in the world, but um, I've just done two seasons now in the pandemic. Why not make it three? Um, So, yeah, I was looking at different teams um, in Sweden and France. Um, I decided to head to KConsta. There's a lot of things I liked about it going in. Um, And like you said, we just qualified for the first time in club history for Champions League. And my experience there was incredible, um, in terms of the pandemic, it was wild, um, in Sweden, everything was completely open the entire time was there, um, with no real restrictions. You know, there was the town I lived in was very small, small town. So I think normal restrictions we had in every other country kind of applied there naturally. Um, So we had like, you know, there couldn't be more than eight people in most places, but there never really was. Um, We didn't have to wear masks or anything like that and travel was quite normal to games. So um, I think that was kind of the biggest transition that I've seen during the pandemic was going from Aussie America and then obviously going into a country that um, decided to handle the pandemic the way they did. I was like really freaked out the first couple of weeks because it was just so, you know, strict in the US and in, especially in California, we were pretty conservative for a really long time um, to just go into a country where there's no masks, like nothing, and people were just living life normal. Um, you did not think that there was a pandemic there. Um, but, you know, however, each government wants to do what they want to do, but um, I I did the end of the day feel really safe in Sweden. Um and our whole team stayed safe the entire time I was there. So um, you know, I guess it all works in different ways. But I do think that was a big part because of the town that I lived in and um things like that. But yeah, it's just been a roller coaster. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, that's amazing to hear that that's sort of the scenario, you know, in Sweden, because that's, that feels so distant to certainly, I mean, you experienced the U S for a bulk of the year and, and, you know, I'm here in the U S and, and that feels like a long way away to, to be at that point. And, and you said, I mean, there was never really a concern even because it was, it was handled pretty well. And yeah, and yeah that's amazing. Yeah. It is. <laughs> and, and certainly different. Did, did you ever have any, Um, I mean, you mentioned being a little bit skeptical before Challenge Cup, and obviously things turned out quite well. I mean, was there any question for you of of participating because of what was going on?
0: Um, I think for my health, of course, I think you think about it. Um, And just because it was something so new and kind of, you know, hitting the U.S. hard as well in waves after waves. So um, it was definitely something that we thought about because – no one had done it before, too. It was kind of an experiment to go into it, um, you know, and the soccer world's so small. We all talk, and there was just so many opinions. So it was just so, you know, crazy. You just had to do what was best for you. And I think the general, like, consensus with it all was just that if you didn't feel comfortable and you didn't want to play, especially with OL Reign and our owners and stuff like that, they were 100% okay with it. There was no pressure to go and do something that you did not feel comfortable with. Um, so I think having that mentality and having that just open with our, um, team just made everyone feel generally more safe. Um, and our owners were very, very open with us. Um, when I think across the week that, that, uh, a lot of teams probably weren't or just like misinformation here and there, but, um, we just really – and OH has always been like this. We pride ourselves on it. But they were just extremely open in whatever decision that we wanted to make as players that they supported us.
1: Yeah, and the uh, – I mean, you mentioned the crazy story of getting out of Australia to to get to that point beforehand. I know um, – I mean, that was – so that was March 21st. You helped Melbourne City win the, the grand final. And yeah. you mentioned right on the plane. I mean, that was basically – at that time, the only sporting event. I mean, I can't even, there was like, I remember pulling up ESPN plus yeah. and that was basically it on the schedule. It was it was yeah. amazing. So, uh, I mean, that must've been, you know, a unique experience in itself as, as that would have been 10 days after kind of that big NBA shutdown and, and everybody that followed, so.
0: Yeah, and obviously I was American in Australia and it wasn't as bad in Australia but because I had family in the U S and they were going through so much, like in terms of losing jobs and being completely locked down and people getting sick and this and that, that I was like, so freaked out. Cause I'm like, you guys don't understand how bad it can be. Like, yes, you might hear it on the news, but I literally have people living it firsthand right now. And so, um, <laughs> when we decided to still continue to play the grand final, I still had a very similar feeling. Like, do I play, do I not? Because, um, yes, we love sport, but is it worth the risk of your health? Probably not. <laughs> so there was still all of that. And I say that out loud and I continue to play. <laughs> so <Yeah>. there's that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you're committed to to the profession. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, it does sound like, you know, certainly from the NWSL that, that everything was, um, you know, as safe as possibly could be. And, yeah. and obviously went through without con- any confirmed positive cases for that, that bubble. So, yeah. um, well, you mentioned, um, you know, having not played in Europe before, I was going to ask you if it was, you know, maybe a product of the year, a bucket list item, maybe both and, and yeah. you know, qualifying for Champions League. If there's a lot of players talk about wanting to play in that, if that's like, a, yeah. you know, now that you've done it to get them there, if that's an appeal to want to be involved yeah. in it when it comes.
0: No, definitely. I think it was both. Um, I obviously, you know, the men's side of soccer in Europe has always been like a huge deal. And I just think that's really created some buzz for the women's side over here too. So I've always wanted to come over and obviously getting into the English league for players like me is really hard. And then, um, just the windows like we talked about is never really like consistent with our league. Um, I think you either have to leave your club early in the U S which is just hard to do mid season. So um, yeah, I think it was product of the year for sure, but also a huge like check off my bucket list. Um, And yeah, like players in the U S you hear about champions league all the time. And it's something that you always want to kind of participate in. So um, I definitely think when I looked at playing in Sweden, um, looking at teams that, could possibly make um, Champions League and I knew that this team was kind of right there so I thought it'd be a great team to kind of you know jump in and try to help get them there if I could any way possible but um, I ended up being so lucky in the area that I was at Um, we had an incredible club incredible staff and girls Um, it literally I think I've gotten so lucky to be able to you know kind of pick up and head over there and then obviously for the last whatever 12 years or something they've been trying to make Champions League and it was the first time this year and you know club history doing so that just seeing the emotions and the passion and the love that this club brings and to make that you know last Champions League spot was just incredible to be like a small small part of it because they've been working for so long to get there um, and it was just an incredible ride like I literally just got left yesterday and it's still like it's been a week since we you know, kind of finished up, but it's still just, like, there's so much joy knowing that that club has finally, like, you know, conquered that, and um, it would definitely be an appeal to go back because not only did we, like, help to get there, now they're there. Like, of course you want to play and continue, so we'll see how that goes with our league as well. But, um, yeah, I couldn't be more proud to have gone there and been part of a club that, you know, just did everything right.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was going to say it must be hard to to kind of leave that, um, not, not mid-season because the Swedish league just ended, as you said, but, you know, sort of incomplete in the way that, that you qualified for Champions League, but you, you obviously want to then participate and that would happen next fall. So, so almost a year from now. And, and, you know, for, for the first time, I think forever, the NWSL has put out some information early and we have, (laughs) you know, we we know that the season, if it goes off as planned, which hopefully it does would be running later than ever into late November, basically in 2021. So which is probably good for players that they want it longer. Right. But also to your point, you know, further limits any ability to, I mean, even the idea, I think with, with Australia's changes, I don't know if in the future, there's going to be the jump from NWSL to Australia in the same way, because those calendars are now sort of fighting each other.
0: Of course. And, you know, like, I think a lot of the NWSL teams want your players to rest and come in and have a proper preseason, which, you know, doing some of the other leagues just doesn't allow that. So we'll see how that goes.
1: Yeah. Well, you've played for the rain since their inception, and and you mentioned a little bit of um, just the situation around the Challenge Cup. And I think a a lot of players who have been there, and and there's been a a core group, uh, but even players who have sort of been in and out have said you know that, that there's a family atmosphere and um, I think you hear that around sports but but when you hear it a lot you kind of recognize that it's you know maybe more true in certain places and I think you hear that a lot um, in, in Seattle Tacoma um, Seattle then Tacoma now this OL version of it um, I mean just what what's it been um, in a league of so much movement I guess in some ways this is out of your control in, the, in that there's trades and everything else but what's what is Been the reason for you to want to stay there in such a league of sort of chaos and and movement?
0: Yeah, no, of course. And it's so funny you say that because I obviously just came from the European League and people are like, it's so crazy that you guys live the way you do and one day you can be traded here and there. And I'm like, I know I'm extremely lucky to be with one club for as long as I have. And I know it doesn't happen very often. And I'm forever grateful for OL for keeping me there as long as they have. But um i think honestly the biggest part is that it is forever changing but i think with rain we've always had the same core values from you know year one when we probably have the record for losing the most games in a row to you know now and we've broken records for you know most wins and all of that but I think with our down from our owners to everyone else involved that um, they wanted us to always be the best club in the U S and the world, to be honest. And I think that's why we've also made the move with OL Um, and we always heard our owners and our coaches talk about that every year you come in for preseason, that whatever we can, like our standards, our values, everything, like it was always an open book. Players had the voice to speak in you know, say this is what needs to be better for you know to get more players to come in, and I think that's kind of always been um, you know our foundation for the club. And um, you know, I, I've we've had three great coaches now come through uh, the rain as well, and I I just always remember people saying that you know they they want teams to come and play us and one kind of fear us, but two also you know if they're unhappy at a club what club do you want to go to? So I think that's kind of the outlook we had. Like we, we treated our um, opponents coming in really well. That was also a value, you know, it was, yes, you could be good at soccer, but you also want to be attractive. So like football facilities, everything like that. So I just think with all those, you know, values combined, um, and then that's just literally the foundation of things. Naturally people want to go and play there, but then obviously, you know the core group that we've kept for a while. Um, we just try to create an environment where, you know, you can better yourself. And I think that is something too at our level and being just a, you know, pro athlete, you want to go to these places that you know that every day you go into training, whether you're a starter or whether, you know, last off the bench, that even in training sessions and everything else, that you're getting better every single day. So I think that kind of competitive drive as well, the mentality that the rain has, um, I think that's been a big part of why why people want to come, you know, and play for us. And I think also the style, we've always kind of been really consistent in our style of play. And that is to play good football, you know, obviously, within this league, you have to adapt from team to team quite often. Um, And I think that, we've always kind of kept what we wanted to do um, for the last nine years. So I think that's been a big draw for players to want to come and play. Um, And then doing things like, you know, partnering with OL, like there's just those standards that we can continue um, as a club and as an ownership um, want to get better and better at. So I think that's been like the biggest next step and there's nothing more appealing than being part of one of the other, best women's team in the world, right? Um, and having that connection always like we've got girls over there right now, um, training and having those opportunities. Like you just don't see that very often in our um in women's soccer. So um those simple things and at the end of the day, like our owners are very family oriented. Um, Bill and Teresa have always been parents to me. Um, I can pick up the phone, call them whenever I want. Their kids kind of grown up with the club. So we see them around all the time. We, we know them very well. So just having that type of atmosphere as well, um, it makes it less of a job and more of, you know, an enjoyment of coming into work and, you know, being around people you really enjoy. And like I said, um, just having that, atmosphere where you know you're getting better um, both as a player and a person
1: is there anything um tangibly different now that the the shift to ol in, in ownership i mean the, there was the move from seattle to tacoma um you know i know there was there was the mixed i think with any kind of rebrand there's that mixed opinion of you know wanting that original branding or team name or but i mean the thing that i've seen maybe um it's, it's hard to judge with the weird year that we've had, I guess, in so many ways. But, you know, that what you mentioned of players going over to train uh, with Leon in this offseason is, is obviously, you know, quite a benefit considering what where Leon ranks in in the world really as a club. Um, have you noticed anything kind of different with, with the change in ownership now basically a year on?
0: Yeah. And like you said, it has been difficult to see maybe more so for the players because of the year we've had. But I know um, going to Montana and having to have a preseason elsewhere, they've helped with that so much. Um, they've been incredible with that. Their owners same. Their owners also share the same passion of us, just being the best we possibly can. So I know that they're putting a lot of um, effort into making sure that that happens. So hopefully this year maybe we can see, you know, players coming from there into our league. You know, you never know, but that, opportunity just to have um I think will be probably the biggest thing we see and then I think financially obviously because you know having to move like we relocated for preseason it was crazy a whole team you know kind of like with less than a week to prepare for it um just things like that I think um we see immediately but I think in the long run we'll see a lot more especially with a more normal season
1: you mentioned that 2013 season, which I had almost forgotten about. It feels so long ago, but but obviously it was a, a rough start um, for the, the rain franchise. And then, you know, right from the get-go 2014, a 16-game unbeaten streak to start that season, which was, you know, maybe I think, the you know, despite not winning the the titles, those 2014, 2015, those years, which I'm sure is still still a pain, uh, you know, still something that hurts, you know, that, that team itself – What was that like to play, you know, on that team with, I mean, again, you know, playoffs are kind of a different beast and very American. But as far as the season goes, you ran away with that season, absolutely dominant.
0: Yeah, um, I will never, ever forget those two years. They've been probably highlight of my professional career for sure, um, especially going from year one like you've talked about. And I think, you know, Laura came in year one first time coaching in the American league. It is a lot different than most leagues. She was still getting familiar with a lot of the American players as well. Um, I don't think she necessarily got to put her team together that she dreamt of. And um, you see the difference between that and when she was able to do that um, with year two and three. And um, yeah, I mean, just the confidence and what we felt going into every game you kind of already felt like you'd beaten the team you know um the opponents coming in and playing at home I think we've had one of the best records at home as well um you could just f- you feel that fear and I think um being part of a team to be able to go and do that um it just it almost took all the pressure and the stress out of playing a professional sport which you never really feel um but i feel like those two years were that much fun that um you kind of forgot that it was this really incredible league that was going to you know blossom into what it has now um but it's something that you just don't forget and you know you may never happen again <laughs> a team like that with a record like that and, yeah. like you said, yeah, playoffs are just a whole nother beast, but um winning the shield those two years. And I think we did it with games left in the league. you know, so yeah, um, yeah it, it was just an incredible ride, incredible experience.
1: i I never had the pleasure of getting out to uh, Memorial Stadium. I was there, yeah. I was there in tequila for for Starfire <laughs> once or twice. But I, I'm sure you have some stories. I mean, it was it was a fortress for your team. But it was also, you know, it had its uh, quirks and charms, maybe is the way to put it, that, you know, other teams maybe struggled with from the size of the pitch to the actual surface.
0: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely hated playing there. And we, like, loved it because it was home. Like, yes, the turf was bad. Yes, we had football lines. Yes, who knows if the bathrooms worked. But it was home for us. You know, you, like, held that so close to your heart. And because everyone hated it, we loved it even more. So, it kind of just fueled the fire for us.
1: <laughs> Who knows if the bathrooms work? That is, uh, <laughs> that that can be like a banner over the uh, the yeah. locker room. When, no, when... they
0: revamped it, but <laughs> um, I could understand why teams came in and did not like playing there. But we absolutely loved it, and I think a lot of the the lot of that was because how much teams hated playing there.
1: Are there any um I don't know stories like along those lines? I'm sure you have plenty that you probably can't share, but just something like on the. <laughs> the charming uh, maybe maybe now it's charming and, and something you can laugh about, but just like early years of this league, especially um, yeah. well, you participated in maybe the most infamous time I can think of in that baseball stadium oh, game in I'm in sure. Rochester <laughs> <that game>. <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, you, you probably have like things that you i, I don 't know can you laugh about them now, or is it still a little bit not removed enough that that you'd like to see some more progress
0: yeah, I mean that game is ridiculous. I still like every once in a while a picture pops up and I'm like, I can't believe we played that. Like it is so sad. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, I obviously think that there's been a lot of growth, but in saying that there is still so much room for improvement. Um, but of course there is like, I mean, we kind of have the mentality that we've dealt with stuff like this for so long that, yeah, I think most of us probably can laugh, but I mean, there is still that, like, fight and, you know, kind of back up against the wall because you're pissed that, you know, we're still having to fight for so much um, when so many other sports don't have to, and especially in the men's compared to the women's kind of thing. But, um, yeah, that's still probably one of the weirdest things I think I've ever experienced in the NWC. I don't even know what you call that because it was wild.
1: Yeah, it was it was um, exceptional to to look at on the screen. It was um, a, a lot of things, but um, well, I, I want to ask you what you know. You played on the youth national teams at, at a couple different levels. You've yeah. you've been in camp with the senior team. Um, I know like a lot of players through the years, and, and maybe this was more WPS era and it, it speaks to NWSL's purpose, but a lot of players who kind of were, were that close and maybe didn't break through necessarily as a, a regular in the U S you know, I've seen them say like that, that was the dream. They hung up their boots, whatever it was, you know, what was for you um, just kind of the guiding sort of um, principal purpose of, of, you know, you've been a spectacular player in this league. Um, you know, is that, has that been something that, you know, has been a, a guiding sort of reason for you is just dominate this league. Does the, does the U S sort of stay back of mind in those years or?
0: Yeah. no, of course. I think, um, as a professional soccer player, that's everyone's dream to play for their country, um, at the highest level. Um, and I think it was always a motivator for me, but I also love so much more about the sport that it's given me that I think, Um, you know, coming back each year and I've every year I'm like, am I still going to play? Am I not going to play? Like you have those and I'm going to be 32 this year. So you're like, okay. But as of right now, like I've never found something else that I love more. So why stop, you know? Um, And then every year when I think, okay, this is probably the year um, I have a better season. I continue to get better and I'm like, I still got so much more to give. Um, So I think for me right now, the driving force is like, being proud of being where I'm at and continuing to grow where I feel like a lot of times you feel like you're kind of at a standstill like are you getting better are you not and um I think like maybe once that really hits me that's probably when it's time to hang up the boots but until then um I want to continue to try to get better and you know uh, experiencing a different um league this year has already given me a little bit of an upper hand. I think the Swedish league brought so many more aspects that um, I didn't realize what's going to happen. We played a three back, but it was also just very physical, which for me, I'm pretty small center back and having to deal with that every single game. And at practice, I think really helped my game. Um, so just, yeah, continuing to try to grow and be better. But I also think at my age, um, I love helping, you know, the younger players coming through and just like showing them like the standard and the leadership and, you know, how you can get to where you want to be, I think has also been very, very fun for me. And, um, you know, as much as I get so much joy in being competitive and being on the field and playing games, I get a lot of fulfillment from, uh, teaching the younger generation as well.
1: That sounds almost maybe like some future coaching or something.
0: Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I've got yeah. a little bit of coaching, um, loved it, but I just love where
1: I'm at right now playing. So we'll see. You're, uh, you're SoCal born and raised, right. And Uh went to UCLA as well. Um, I had forgotten. I was, I was doing some quick research to, before our chat, I'd forgotten about the Philly independence (laughs) stop entirely. It feels like a different world, Um, Uh which I'm sure, you know, you could compare leagues briefly there. Um, But, you know, I mean, maybe speaking to progress of the sport um, you know, LA soul were, came and went by the time you were out of school so weren't even you know an option for a hometown team and come 2022 roughly a year or so um angel city fc will be yep. in the league which you know must be obviously you know we've talked about the reign of legions but but just from a perspective of having a team in a in an important market must be really cool to see back home
0: oh yeah um i think for as long as i've been playing and like you said there has been soul but you've always prayed for an LA team, a California team, because it is like such a big sports city that always does so well. So um, I think it's very attractive for players to go there and bring in another team is huge for our league, you know, as it continues to grow. Um, Love to see the type of ownership they're putting together too. you know, there's so many hands involved, which I think they're going to be good hands. I think sometimes when there's too many, it could be a problem, but I think, um, you know, the values that, all these ownerships have in this um, new team coming in, I think it's going to be great. And obviously like being home, there's always kind of that, you know, thought in the back of your mind, but I'm just like so happy that the league continues to grow and they're growing in great spots as well, where I think, you know, these teams will be super successful when they come in.
1: Yeah. I think that already there's no shortage of players who seem to, be <laughs> potentially interested in that location.
0: contract. <laughs> uh,
1: <yeah. laughs> so, I, I mean, but it speaks to like, I mean, there's so many players and a big reason for that is not just that it's LA, but that LA is, or, or I should maybe just say Southern California's home. Um, home, yeah. which is, I, I mean, for someone removed from that area, I mean, you're, you're, you know, a bit removed from the youth scene, I guess on that, but just yeah. what is so different about, the the level of the the volume of talent that comes out of there. I mean, every generation of national team seems to be like yeah. a, a quarter SoCal. I know,
0: I know. It must have just been a huge breeding ground for soccer. <laughs> um, everyone always asks that, and I'm like, I don't know. Maybe we have both northern and southern. You know, and they're both very good at soccer. Um, but I think when I was in the club scene, we just had so many clubs to choose from, and all of them were, you know, so good. So I think the development from a young age to the seniors has always been really good, where obviously, if you go to other states where you don't have that kind of mentality, or, you know, options, obviously, the development's not going to be, you know, as progressive. And um, yeah, I think, I mean, you, you look, you look through the lineups that the US have put together and there is so many southern california slash california northern california as well that you know just make it to that really top two percent
1: yeah and i mean is it just like a totally different world in terms of just lifestyle and everything have you have you kind of gotten used to not being there i guess you go back every once in a while right yeah. But
0: it's always my home base for sure so um I, I get there at least a couple of times a year, maybe once or twice couples kind of <laughs> pushing it, but, um, it is a bit of different lifestyle. Um, I love the West coast in general. It's where I grew up. So, um, obviously it's close to my heart, but, um, Seattle is my second home and that's been incredible as well. Um, but I just can never beat the beach. Like that's that's my go-to. You know, yeah. I'm the happiest there, so um, I guess that kind of comes with the lifestyle as well. Um, you know, it's pretty laid back, and you know, kind of enjoy life and kind of miss the hustle and bustle, I guess, of everything else.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say probably a little bit less surfing and whatnot in Seattle. Do you surf? Yeah. Or?
0: Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I try to get out as much as I possibly can. I'm not very good at all, but um, <laughs> if I can be anywhere in and around the water, I'll be there.
1: <laughs> nice. Well, yep. you, you are involved in, in a bunch off the field and, and wanted to talk about that. The, um, you know, I think anybody who follows you on Instagram, which is, is Lulu, as we mentioned, I don't know how many <laughs> users are in that, but,
0: um,
1: you know, you've been, been recently, I guess, getting involved in sort of sustainability, um, within the NWSL, which um, is maybe, is it? it's bigger than just, I mean, we've seen like the water bottles, reusable water bottles that the whole team, which I guess you maybe introduced to them. Is that, um, what are some things you're working on there?
0: Yeah. So I think, um, I worked closely with someone that worked at the rain, um, Santi who actually his he's Colombian and his visa with the pandemic, everything's crazy. So he's back home right now, but he has a background in sustainability and I've been a vegan, athlete for like six years now Um, a big part of that was just for my health at the beginning and then obviously just educating myself more Um, it became a lot about the environment and just a lifestyle that I really wanted to live and pursue and um, wanted to also educate people just through me living how I live Um, I never wanted to force anything on anyone but um, me and him kind of chatted and just thought about like how can we maybe Introduce some things that the girls might just grasp and you know take on in their daily life, and um, we started just like simply with like signs over the recycling about how to actually recycle. Like it's not just as simple as throwing stuff in. Like it's there's a process to everything, obviously. So we started there, and I just think too because our team is so progressive, our owners are as well. Like I've talked to them about this so much, and they're like so excited to potentially do something a little bit more. Um, even the sports in Seattle as well. We've done straw lists in Seattle. So like the Seahawks, the Mariners and um, the Sounders all do like no plastic. So it's kind of like also the vibe up there as well, um, which makes my life much easier because, you know, it's kind of already ingrained. Um, but obviously we thought about all this stuff for the year that we thought was going to be normal. And then obviously the pandemic hit and we went to a challenge cup. So um when I got to the challenge cup because of the protocols there was so much you know like plastic utensils plastic cups we all had to have our own water bottles and I was just like looking at everything and I was like oh my gosh like we've just gone from maybe doing something to like kind of being like no (laughs) it's gotten worse so I called Santina I was like I think we still need to try to do something I know it's like the challenge cup is only a month like but let's see like where we can kind of make the biggest difference as fast as we possibly could. So I reached out to three different companies. Uh, Crazy cap was one of them, which are just, um, insulated water bottles. I don't know if I have mine. Usually it's always right next to me, but, um, it's got a UV light inside of it as well. So you can drink from the sink, you press it, it kind of um, disinfects everything in the water. Um, They also, you could take the cap off, you can put it on your laptop, you can put it on your phone, you can put it on your utensils and it kills bacteria. So it's just a great thing to have because, you know, you can use less plastic utensils and we didn't all have to have our own plastic water bottle every time we went out to training. So we all were carrying these things. Um, The company was incredible. You know, we've got stickers on them, uh, made them kind of our own little water bottles everywhere we went. The girls absolutely love them. I think most of them probably still use theirs. Um, so we kind of eliminated the water bottles in that sense. And then um, Albatross uh, reusable utensils we got. And it's a really cool company. They started out with making um, stainless steel razors. And then you can take the blade, send them back. They melt them down and they make them into utensils. So it's literally like a whole cycle of never having to you know, create anything new. It's just always the same product. So they sent us everything um, for all the players as well. So we eliminated all the plastic that they were giving us in terms of utensils and water bottles. And then we used eco lunch boxes, which sent us stainless steel plates. Um, and so within, you know, 10 days or so, I was able to kind of get all this up and running, and obviously, uh, our goal was just to try to be plasticless throughout the, you know, Challenge Cup, and we did it as a team. And the girls were having so much fun with it, and you know, I think really bought into it, and that just makes life so much easier because you know the products were coming, and you know, a lot of them just want to be shown us using them and stuff like that, and so that's easy on our part. Um, but then I think the biggest like, takeaway from it all was the girls just thought saw how easy it is to potentially be more, you know, conscious with what we use um, as athletes. And I think that was probably the most valuable thing because coming into next year, you know, you hope that we can continue that. And um, I'm working on a project right now and trying to create an eco-friendly travel kit So, obviously, when you come into preseason, you get your jerseys, you get your training gear, you get your boots, but I want to also have something that has to do with sustainability and travel. So, in terms of getting more water bottles, more utensils, and just, like, other products that we use when we travel so much that we can eliminate, you know, things that are harmful. Um, So, I'm working on that right now with Just Women Sports, and I'm hoping kind of get it finalized before this next year and then you know maybe pitch it to the nw and see if we can get it in all teams not just ours and then obviously my bigger goal is in all sports and maybe major tournaments to kind of do something similar so
1: uh, th- those are some amazing detail on the the uv light and the razor yeah. melted down into a utensil <laughs> that's that's really cool i mean it's um it is difficult i mean i try to i'd like to think i try to do you know as much as I can on, on sort of the being conscious of what my sort of output is. But it's, it's especially difficult in these times when you're like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm wiping that thing down and throwing it out and not, you know, so that, that's really cool to, uh, to, to be able to do that in the, uh, in the bubble there. And then, um, well, uh, the other thing we have to talk about quick, I mean, in the bubble, you were like lead barista, I know, Uh, (laughs) all things coffee. I mean, a lot of teams, we, I'll, I'll put the link for anybody listening um, to to the story I wrote during the Challenge Cup, um, which was amazingly like our most popular story. Nobody cared about the soccer; they wanted to know about <laughs> all good, the, uh, but... <laughs> the the coffee tips from the the Challenge Cup and and you know you. I know Tori Hustler. I mean, there were yeah. players who had these eight hundred dollar cafe machines. Yeah, <laughs> you know, serious business. Um, which yeah, I think the you you Tonys and remind me you that also has sort of a sustainability side to yeah. it for
0: yeah for and local they're from um Seattle but they were so so great sending us coffee after coffee to keep us and he even sent it to me in Sweden he sent me three five pound bags <laughs> of coffee incredible
1: Amazing. yeah what um I mean where? like Obviously, coffee is a very serious topic for you. I mean, it's fun, but it's serious. Yeah, of course. Where where did that begin for you? Because I've seen. I mean, even on Instagram in in Australia, Sweden, it's like you got to find the spot and it's got to be yep. spectacular. Of like course, oat milk lattes and all those things. Yep. Or white flat, right? Is that the uh, flat white? Flat white. Sorry.
0: Yep. No, that's fine. Yeah, I think. Um a lot of that's probably just come from where I've played like Seattle and Tacoma are both so coffee oriented and food oriented. Um, Australia is absolutely the same. and Melbourne, um, it's very, very, their culture is based around coffee and food. So I think for the last, you know, 10 years, I've just kind of been introduced to that. And I love the idea that it just brings communities together, brings our team together. Um, how often we go and get coffees before games, after practices um, is incredible. And obviously, you know, my best friend on the team is Jess. And if you talk to her about coffee, she'll tell you so much. So I just knew kind of going into the challenge cup, we were roommates that we were like, if there's one thing we need to get right. Cause you just, we didn't know what was gonna look like when we got to the challenge cup. <laughs> You know, we're like, but we are going to have good coffee to get us through it all. So that's kind of how it started there. Um, And yeah, my love for coffee has just grown after that. You know, um, I think more so, like I've said, it's connected um, me to a lot of people, a lot of places that I hold dear to my heart. Um, And I think now that we've gotten a machine and I've been using it, um, appreciating a very good coffee, uh, there's a lot to it. Um, you know, from where the beans are grown, the companies, and obviously you can have it be sustainable as well. So there's so much that kind of goes into it and that's been really fun. Um, obviously soccer takes so much of our life, um, but there's so many things that it brings to, and I think that's just something that's really enjoyable, um, to have as a hobby. Um, we've talked about maybe opening a food, um, coffee truck, you know, and have it outside, uh, the rain, um, Jess and I have talked about that. So, you know, we've got the tables turning, but, uh, I mean, when you think about it, it's literally all coming down to a little cup of coffee.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So forget, forget the coaching or anything possibility. You might be (laughs) entrepreneur coffee truck in coming to, it's coming to the SeaTac area.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to take a poll and see if that's (laughs) something that's people are interested in.
1: (laughs) I'm sure you'd get interested. I actually, I had never seen, um, the little coffee hut, like little side of the road things until yep. we did a vacation in Oregon and it was.
0: Yep. There's everywhere. so many. Yeah. They're so cool.
1: <laughs> yeah. They're, they're very cool. So yep. um what do you buy into the uh like performance aspects of it? I know that was talked about a lot with just like the, what caffeine can do for you or is it, is it psychological or. Yeah. I mean a little bit
0: like I obviously always start my day with a cup of coffee, Um which is probably a little bit psychological, you know, it's, you wake up, you get your coffee and you get going. Um, but I do use it, you know, before game for the caffeine benefits. Um, I do think it helps, uh, me perform, you know, so there is a lot to that as well.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I will look forward to hopefully in normal times, getting out to, to Seattle and maybe, uh, yes, the do. rain the rain coffee truck or whatever you're going to need. A beer, <laughs> yeah. I guess, but,
0: Hopefully uh, by then there'll be one. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, well, I, I know you've probably traveled, you know, as, I mean, I think pro athletes during this year, as much as anybody or more than anybody and given the times and, and even among pro athletes uh, with the three different countries we mentioned probably yep. more than most. So um, safe travels as you, I guess you're hopping your way back home at some point. Yeah, um, <laughs> I will. Uh, Well, thank you for joining me, Lou Barnes, on Kickin' Back.
0: Thank you so much and good luck with everything. I know it's crazy over there too, so stay safe. Thank
1: you. Yeah, of course. Thank you for listening to another episode of Kickin' Back. Please go ahead and subscribe if you don't already so you don't miss any of our great interviews, past, present, or future. Thank you to producer Claire Watkins who makes this podcast sound great. And please be sure to check us out at the United Soccer Coaches Convention. We're at it every year. This year, it's going to be digital where it won't be in LA as expected, but uh, maybe we didn't expect that the way this year has gone. So registration for the 2021 United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention is now open. Even though we won't be there in person, we can still interact from January 11th to 15th, 2021. Still get all the great soccer coaching community content together for a week with fantastic presenters, networking opportunities, uh, socials, uh, which will be on Zoom, as we've come accustomed to, and so much more, including us on Podcast Row with some great interviews coming your way in January. So go ahead and register for the United Soccer Coaches Convention at unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. The game hasn't changed, just the game plan.